10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, it's 8pm. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm Genevieve Bent and I'm here with you until 9.30pm this evening. Coming up, we'll be discussing that sickle cell report and how to support students with sickle cell and LGBTQ plus in STEM day with Anna Sheldrick. It's Thursday evening, this is Teachers Talk Radio, and we are live. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good evening. It's Genevieve Bent here. It's been a little while since I've been on the airwaves, but uh, welcome, I guess. And um, welcome back for those of you who have listened to me, uh, listened to my show before. It's really lovely uh, to be back. A little bit nervous, if I'm honest, a little bit nervous just because it has been, you know, it's been a a few weeks. My last show I wasn't able to do due to uh, um, a parent evening. So, yeah, it's been a little while since I've been able to actually be back on the airwaves, like I said, um, and yeah, I guess talk to you guys again. And if you're listening in the live studio or if you're listening back, good evening and welcome to The Late Show once again. Um, like I say, every Late Show, you know, tune in, talk it out with me. Uh, you can get involved in any number of ways. You can head to the website, ttradio.org. Of course, you can connect with us on Twitter at TT Radio 2021. You can follow the hashtag TT Radio and you can follow um, or connect with me personally at Vive Wright. So it's lovely to have you um, to be back here. Like I said, you know, I haven't been able to converse and, and talk about the current topics in education for a little while. And hopefully from my intro, you heard that we are discussing a couple of really important topics tonight and looking at two communities or, um, yeah, what two communities um, in society. One being the, those who are, you know, affected by sickle cell, whether that is as someone who carries the condition, has the condition, um, or whether that is someone who cares for others with that condition. Um, And of course, it is also LGBT in STEM day or Pride in STEM day. So I do have a special guest this evening who's going to be joining me, which I'm really um, looking forward to, looking forward to that discussion. Um, So, yeah, we've got lots going on this evening. It is, it's about four, three weeks, four weeks until uh, it's time, about four weeks, I'd say, until Christmas. So I am... Yeah, looking forward to that. And I've got to say that even though we are quite far away, I am literally crawling to the finish line Um, already. (laughs) I don't know how that sounds, but I've got to be honest, I am literally crawling to the finish line. Um, There is so much going on that actually I, 
I'm really looking forward to that that break, that two week break for Christmas and just celebrating and being with family and just getting some downtime, of course. Um, for most schools right now, secondary schools, it is year 11 mock exam period. So there is actually lots going on in terms of, you know, year 11s prepping them for the upcoming year. This is going to be, if all goes to plan, the first year um, since 2019. Yeah, since 2019 that students will be sitting genuine exam board GCSE exams. So, of course, it's the first set of GCSE mocks, mocks now. And, you know, we are well in, well underway, really and truly. Um, I mean, we're trying to prepare our Year 11s currently for, for what is to lie ahead. And, then, and if you are a Year 11 teacher or you're a Year 11 head of department, you'll know that there have been quite a few changes to the GCSEs for 2022 2022 only um but I am uh, currently a head of science and head of sixth form so um GCSE science has been affected by those changes and I'd say they're positive changes definitely just because you know sort of not dawning on me now but you know it has we've come to realize over the last few months that actually these year 11s they've missed so much what are we going to do what is the plan um, and it's not as if, you know, we haven't done team teaching or remote teaching or whatever it is, but we know that they have had a significant period of time where they have not been in school. And so, you know, those massive changes, you know, well, the massive disruption to education, rather, um, you know, there needs to be changes to account for those. And so it's just really trying to get our our minds into gear certainly in the science team about how we can best prepare those students so thinking about the changes to science there have been practicals which can be taught by teacher demonstrations or simulations so rather than the required practical students having to complete that they are able to complete um they are able to complete that sort of practical um what's the word I'm looking for the practical element of the course by watching demonstrations by teachers or even simulations in some cases there has been a revised equation sheet so GCSE science and GCSE physics um, they will have a slightly different equation sheet and there's actually been quite a few changes which I looked at um, when I was looking at that sheet which I saw um, so two changes which I think are positive for 2022 certainly um, and of course for some um, what's the, the for some subjects uh, there has there's going to be advanced information on exams which will be made available to us and and JCQ have said uh, sort of given a, a time of February um, having that time frame between February and the and the summer exams of having some advanced information on what what will be covered and what students will need to focus on ahead of those summer exams. So, yeah, quite a lot going on, I would say. Um, thinking about separate science and how to manage content. Separate science. I mean, there's not just not just combined science that we need to think about separate science as well. And I saw a tweet yesterday about how um, a department was trying to or planning to fit it in. And it's honestly, I, I've been thinking about it and 
there is so much content you just think how are we going to fit that in um genuinely I do not know um it is it is quite a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a sort of what's the word I'm looking for it's daunting put it that way it is daunting that actually you know are we going to make it in time are we going to be able to finish the content are they going to be prepared for those exams are we giving them the best um situation and um preparation that we can I, I don't know it is quite difficult um it's quite difficult to think about just thinking about is it realistic or not I just don't know and so um that's something that as a head of department I'm having to think about as to what is the best decision for those students lots of them are thinking about doing um science science a levels after GCSE and lots of them have thought about actually wanting to um you know wanting to stay on that separate science course doing the three GCSEs but just thinking about how we manage that and manage their expectations and ensure the best outcomes for students is quite a lot to think about at the moment. Um, Leanne, I can see you enter the live studio. Good evening, Leanne. I know that you just, you finished your show um, recently, so I'm sure you're taking some some downtime. Thank you for joining me. Um, so at the moment, for anyone who's entering the live studio, we are. I am just sort of talking about the year 11 mock period um it's you know it's a massive massive um I guess period for for teachers around the country now thinking about this being the first set of you know external GCSE exams that students will have sat since 2019 and it just feels feels incredible that we're thinking that actually it was pretty much three years ago that students will be sitting this so yeah, just thinking about managing expectations, really. I think it's really important that students are aware of exactly what needs to be done. I think the communication is really important between teachers and students during this time. I mean, I can't stress, I literally can't stress that um, enough. But I'm, like I said, it is not here to um, waffle on about GCSE exams this time like I said it has been a while since I have been on the airwaves on Teachers Talk Radio and um, you can listen back to any of my shows on ttradio.org or any of the shows of my lovely co-hosts um, we are here to celebrate LGBTQ in STEM day um, or Pride in STEM day and I am here to talk about something really serious this evening and that is um, sickle cell and supporting sickle cell um, students with sickle cell. Leanna said so many stressful points through education in this country, from primary all the way to higher ed. Leanna, I do agree with you. It is, um, I know that um, Tom has tweeted a lot about, you know, the role of Ofsted at the moment. And yeah, it's, I mean, stressful is, is even an understatement at times. I honestly feel like we're being pulled in so many different directions. Um, and it is <laughs> and it is really difficult to sort of prioritise what needs to go next. You know, it should all be all about the students. It should be all about what they, you know, their outcomes at this. But at the same time, we're worrying about Ofsted. We're worrying about, you know, um, Progress 8 Entertainment 8 data. We're worrying about all of these different things um, and being stretched in so many, pulled in so many different directions. Tom, you said I've tweeted far too much. 
<laughs> um, disagree, Tom. Disagree. Never too much. Thank you, Tom, for joining me this evening. Um, we are, like I said, I'm back. Um, and I'm here to discuss really important and, um, yeah, really important topics this evening. And I'm going to be joined by a special guest a little bit later on who's going to share with me what she has done to celebrate LGBT in STEM today. And if you are on Twitter and you are aware uh, or connected rather with, um, you know, people in STEM who identify as LGBTQ, who are part of that community, you would have seen lots of celebratory posts today celebrating people within the community who are, you know, working within STEM. Um, just going to go to an ad break and then we are going to continue our discussion. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. You've been listening. Sorry about that. Not sure what happened there. Um, but yes, yeah, so if you are interested in learning more about phonics or improving your skills in teaching phonics, please do get in touch with one of our amazing advertisers. Um, but welcome to the live studio for anyone who's just joining me. I know that our special guest has just entered the live studio. Looking forward to talking with her. So today is November the 18th. Hopefully you'd all know that. Um, and certainly as teachers, you're probably writing that board, writing that date up on the board today. So you should be fam well familiar with that date. Hello to Kerry, for, who has just entered the live studio. Lovely to have you with us, Kerry. Um, but November the 18th. So it has been selected to celebrate and highlight the work and barriers of people who, are, who identify as LGBTQ+. Um, in science, tech, engineering and maths. So, of course, the STEM fields. And anyone who is um, who is connected with me previously or, you know, follows me on social media, you'll know that STEM is one of my um, it's one of my areas of interest. Certainly, I would say. And of course, I do. I'm connected with lots of people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community um, and who are a part of STEM and so it is it's lovely to be able to have a guest on tonight to talk about the work that she has done um for this day um and so yes I know she's in the live studio so pretty much without further ado I am going to introduce her her name is Anna Sheldrick uh she is a a science teacher she is a psychology teacher and she is someone who is doing some really great work in celebrating LGBT in STEM. Anna, are you there? I am. Hello. Hello. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? 
I am okay. Um, yeah, it's lovely to have you with me, and yeah, lovely to to be able to <laughs> to um, get you on to share the work that you're doing, and of course, share a little bit about your journey. So I know I gave a really brief introduction, but you've been on the show before. Of course, some people may be familiar with you, but some people not so much. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so I've been teaching. I feel like I've been teaching for four years, but actually the first year I was a TA who sort of inadvertently took over the music lessons. Um, so I was sort of teaching in my TA year and the school took me on, offered to sponsor me for my school's direct. Yeah. And yeah, I trained through the pandemic. And then this year I took on psychology as one of my subjects. So we're introducing psychology at GCSE at the school. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And uh, this year, um, I've also joined up with one of our other teachers to help create sort of like a support group for our LGBT students, because last year, a lot of students came out as LGBT to a few teachers. Mm. And we felt like they sort of needed some sort of support. So I am part of the LGBT community. So I thought I would kind of join in and help out. And yeah, and then when the LGBT Pride Day in STEM came along, I thought it would be a really good opportunity to show the LGBT kids who may be out, who may not be out, that the science department are there for them. And that we yeah. yeah, lovely. That's really great. And I think just going back to, um, you know, your training year, I think you will always forever be able to... Um, I guess, hold it over people that you were a trainee teacher during the pandemic. So, I mean, there's only so many of us who can say that and I'm not one of them. So um, uh, well done again. No, my, my, my dad, like at my, sometimes when I'm like struggling, my dad's like, well, you survived teacher training during a pandemic. <laughs> and my, my school federation actually kind of got quite badly hacked as well. So he, uh, he was like, if you survive both of those, you will survive anything. <laughs> you will I mean I agree with your dad completely so um you're here to talk about you know the work that you've done can you share with listeners what you said you've called it pride in stem so I'm gonna go, go with pride in stem can you share with listeners what pride in stem day is all about yeah so I'm mostly calling it pride in stem because it's a little bit less of a mouthful than saying lgbtq plus in stem day <laughs> um, Fair enough. yeah so basically from um Pride and Stem Day kind of came across on my radar last year, but I encountered it about a month after it actually happened because we were doing all the Black History Month stuff. And I just, out of curiosity, I just thought I'd see what other days there were. Yeah. And yeah. Pride and Stem uh, looks like it'd been started, I think this is its fourth or fifth year now. And it's just there to celebrate diversity within the LGBT community within STEM and to just kind of raise awareness that just because you are LGBT doesn't mean you can't go into STEM and also to provide support for those who are in STEM, um, who are LGBT because reading the statistics about LGBT in STEM, there's yeah. most people don't come out and a lot of people drop STEM subjects before they really go into a career so it's incredibly underrepresented especially lgbt people of color as well so yeah i thought it'd be really important to raise awareness within the school mm -hmm. um 
because we are predominantly like most of our students come from minority backgrounds mm. um just to be like just because you're gay or just because you're like you're not white doesn't mean that you can't go into stem um but also just to raise awareness it can be difficult but you have that support mm. i think that's really important as well just highlighting that actually um although it will be difficult you know it's still open it's still open to you and that you're those are there are barriers that you will face but those are barriers that you you have to overcome and I think those are the conversations that we instill with students regardless of whatever we're talking about and of course this is I guess another dimension to that. Yeah and it was it's really interesting because um <clears throat> We're talking to the teachers at my school. Um, I created a bunch of uh, resources, a lesson for the key stage three and some just discussion resources for the upper school. And it sounds like it created some very good discussion amongst the students about not just LGBT, but just representation in general within school. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, um, I mean, my next question to you was, how have you celebrated the day in your school? Yeah, so with key stage four, for um I'm not sure if it was done with our sixth formers but I just sort of gave showed them a few videos regarding how we can support people and showing them some notable people within STEM so we I showed them Lynn Conway who was one of the people who created one of the like the modern design of the microchip and was one of the first people to create a supercomputer I introduced him to Sally Ride, who was the first um, female American astronaut in space, mm-hmm. and Tim Cook, who was the CEO of Apple. So for them, I just thought, don't want to take too much time out there, GCSE stuff. So they let them have a discussion, um, just kind of think about what it is to be LGBT in STEM. Mm-hmm. But for the lower school, I did almost like a full lesson. We did, we did an exercise about Alan Turing and what happened with Alan Turing. Um, and then yeah. there was a a nature article a few I think it was last year it came out, but it interviewed a number of quite diverse uh, scientists who are LGBT, and so I might have copied and pasted a few segments of it and got students to read it and like answer questions about what they do, what they've experienced, and what they hope for the future. And yeah, it seems like I've heard from especially the year nine teachers that like the year nines did really well with it Mm. that's really great as well just because you know there are I guess you expect sort of discussions coming from the key stage four students the year 10s the year 11s but certainly with year seven to nine discussion is um you know you have to be a little bit more proactive in trying to get them to discuss things but it sounds like you had a really good response and and you know it was received really well by students what sort of things came up in those discussions so yeah um I found that a lot of students kind of seem to take it well at least in my lessons anyway they seem to take it as an opportunity to actually ask questions I think they've been trying to get answers for for a while Mm -hmm. um so just asking general things like what is the deal with the pronouns and when someone transitions like what does that actually mean so I think I don't think they've really had much exposure to sort of formal I I wouldn't say a formal introduction to LGBT in a setting like school 
mm. um, with people who seem willing to actually discuss it with them. Most of what I think mo- a lot of them, I think most of the information they get is from social media. So it just seemed to be in my class is just a time to just dust off any misconceptions, correct any language. And there were just, there was just general curiosity about LGBT in general. Mm. And that's, I guess that's the, the point of it as well, isn't it? It's about opening up conversations and allowing students a safe space to be able to ask questions, to be able to show their curiosity, but also for students who are a part of that community to feel safe and to feel included. Yeah, because I was also really surprised at how much they actually knew as well, especially the lower school students. Um, some of my year eight students, they knew so much about how to use pronouns and the difference between um, like all the different letters of LGBTQIA and all that. Like they knew a lot, actually a lot more than my year tens did. So I've, I was kind of expecting a bit more uh, resistance from the students, but actually they seem to know a lot. And just some of them just wanted to show off what they, that's lovely um but it also speaks to the relationship that you have with students clearly um and then being able to you know them feeling comfortable to be able to speak about um things that they're not sure of but I guess show off to you as well (laughs) um I think yeah I think some of them were just trying to show off to each other especially you could see in my year eights they were competing with how much they knew about things like they were trying to one-up each other I love that um I mean, you know, the competitive nature of students anyway. So whatever it is, they'll find a way to have competition, as we know. Um, And why do you think it was so important to to celebrate this day? Well, um, for me personally, it meant a lot that we could do it because, as I said, I am part of LGBT community. And for, like, the longest time, I've, like, in a professional capacity, just been, like, well, just keep it quiet. No one needs to know. Mm. Um, but I think since since like we've had all the the social justice, like the protests at the beginning of the pandemic, and some that are still going on now, like just representation in general is really important. And mm. I think it's really important that we show students that we can we need diversity in science, whether it's um whether you're someone of color whether you're lgbt whether you're male or female we need all of them yeah so i feel like it's just so important to try and um make science more diverse and to have more voices in there because some of the like this my my opinion personally but there's been some really good ideas and some of the better ideas especially in terms of tackling climate change mm-hmm. have come from people of color who have come from people from like poorer communities and I think that's kind of those are the voices that we need to be able to take science forward yeah I mean I would definitely agree with you there just thinking about COP26 last week but no sorry not last week was it last week or week before I think it just finished I don't know the (laughs) The days are all a blur at this point but just thinking about COP26 and the conversations we had from student with students then but also some of what I've seen in the media and just talking about you know um, the fact that it was very much 
the the top Western countries that we're discussing and many of the minority communities around the world were sort of shut out of those conversations. Um, you know, but knowing that, you know, that innovation and, and everything else is, is, you know, it's, it grows from these communities and, you know, it needs to be listened to and not shut out. But yeah, you make a really valid point. Yeah, because I find as well, um, usually it's people from these communities who can think of more affordable solutions as well. Yeah. You know, instead of having the really expensive technology, they can come up with stuff that everyday people can do, usually regardless of wealth, um, or they will try and find a way to make it happen. That's so I think happened. it's so important that we just get people into science and STEM in general who represent everyone in the community absolutely um i mean i couldn't agree more hopefully you know that i uh, yeah i will try as much as i can to to um push representation and diversity in stem whether that's in school whether that's outside of school so absolutely agree with you um and i guess thinking outside of you know just today and like I, i said at the beginning um i don't know if you were listening then but i had said about the fact that i um connect with you know I'm connected with a lot of um particularly people of color in um who are part of LGBT LGBT community um but who work in STEM and just um I've seen lots of stuff on Twitter today lots of really um lovely artwork lots of celebratory posts so you know it is uh, it's not something that I'd heard of pretty much before today um before this year sorry but it's definitely something that I can see has grown in sort of traction and awareness um, this year, particularly. Um, But what advice would you give educators? So for teachers who are listening, for supporting students who are part of the pride in, well, LGBTQ plus community, what advice would you give to supporting students there? I think just giving them, knowing that, you are open to them and I noticed as well I started trying to change how I use some of my terminology especially around when it came to describing gender and genetics and Mm -hmm. um, reproduction and some students seem to like some students were confused about why I was saying you will present as female at birth and they're like why are you saying that but then when you explain it to them like they're like okay but you can see some of the students picking up on it. Mm. Um, but generally just making sure that you shut down any kind of homophobia because some students said like they don't think teachers care because there's homophobic comments happening in the classroom and no teachers do anything about it. Uh. So just being of that and just kind of maybe a slight change in your language. But I found some really, really good resources on the RSC website. Mm. in regards to how you can help support students who uh, come out. Um, But, yeah, I also, last year, there was a lot of, because I taught predominantly year eights last year. Yeah. And just in general, amongst the students I taught, a lot of students were starting to come out. So I made the conscious decision to tell a few select students that I was a lesbian and they were like, you can just see it, like there's there's just that change where they can't come out to someone, but their teacher is, yeah, like, in their community. So they were starting; you, they've really started coming out of their shell this year. But it's just if you are confident enough and you are LGBT, just 
if you see a student struggling, just let them know that they're not alone and that you are, you don't have to say what part of the community you are, just say that you are part of it, just so they know that they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Particular, I guess I want to say fight, but I don't really know if it is a fight or not. <laughs> I uh, yeah I know I know what you mean in terms of fight I guess maybe uh the movement is that a better word I don't yeah I, it's I, I like mean, I don't yeah know. I think you know what I'm talking about I'm just like I don't know what the right word is for it yeah yeah um I think yeah like you said it is really important that students one have a role model and I guess in discussions that I had with my students today because we also um you know, d- did the Pride in STEM, did some Pride in STEM um, discussion time. And some of the students had just talked, one student in particular talked about the fact that, the, you know, the idea that actually it's important to, to, to show visibility of these, of people within these community, this community because of role models. Um, and I just think that, you know, without even me saying anything, they were thinking, um, in terms of that aspect for for themselves or for younger students that role models regardless of what community it is that there is representation yeah and I also found as well like introducing them to people like Sally Ride and Alan Turing and Lynn Conway and what they actually contributed to society um like a lot of students were just like wait my phone has something made by a trans person and I'm like yes it does Mm. and like it just seemed to blow their mind like they just don't know and then when especially the lower school when they were introduced to what happened with Alan Turing like they some of them were just so outraged and I think one started crying <laughs> so oh, I just think my goodness yeah she just like it's so cruel how, what they did to him and I'm like yeah it was a different time but things are getting better mm. and it's just and I also <laughs> think Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just saying, introducing these stories to them and letting them know what LGBT people have actually con- have contributed to society that they maybe don't realise has just been really eye-opening for a lot of students, at least today. Yeah, I think also just regarding the Alan Turing um, discussion as well, I think also when we take when we then take students to places like the Science Museum, although it's, you know, it's a museum that we, I guess we take for granted a little bit, you think about the Alan Turing exhibition that is there and maybe the fact that it, it might give students a greater appreciation of everything that, he's, that he did um, within STEM, knowing everything he was also going through. Yeah, and um, I just, I feel quite passionate about it just because during, um, during some holidays, I actually went up to Bletchley Park <laughs> Oh, um, did you? Wow. It was so uh, it was a long drive, but it was just really nice and mm. a bit surreal in a mm. way. Mm. Um so I was just like I was I remember just walking around it like, okay, I need to somehow fit Alan Turing into the next academic year because these kids need to know. <laughs> That's really yeah, it's really great. I think it just it gives like I said, it does give another dimension to the whole diversity and representation you know and mission that we that we are trying to do um in in science and in lessons so yeah I mean I really appreciate the work that you are doing um and how passionate you are about it and also just know that um I just know that there are students who will feel better um you know even just a small small amount having had those discussions today um 
you know, knowing that it's a safe space. So it's great. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, fantastic. Anna, thank you so much for um, coming on this evening. We did have a comment from Kerry who said we should all be able to bring our full selves to work or school every day. I totally agree. It is really hard having a part of yourself just trying to keep it closed off because mm. like I'm not gonna like I do sometimes worry about if students find out what kind of backlash I might get mm. and I know with social media and stuff like all kinds of things can spread around absolutely but yeah we should be able to one day maybe we can <laughs> yes and and hopefully yeah exactly Every, everyone whatever it is that we um we hope to share with people that we hope that it's received um well and and you know it's always a positive outcome but like you said there is that that worry and just thinking about that actually um tom has tweeted you know he was part of an article last week about the whole social media and particularly the that app um that is doing the rounds in schools at the moment and yeah so definitely understand that um but like Kerry said, we should all be able to bring our full selves to work school, to work or school every day. And like Anna said, hopefully one day soon. Um, Anna, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Hope that you can stay tuned, but please do put your um, Twitter or social media handle, it, text it into the live studio so that anyone who would like to follow you can. No worries, I will do. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Anna. Um, absolutely lovely talking to Anna this evening about celebrating um, Pride in STEM Day. I am going to go to the 8.30 news. It is 8.40, but we're going to go to the 8.30 news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Liverpool Labour MP Ian Byrne, who survived the 1989 Hillsborough Football Stadium disaster, has called on ministers to include the event and the campaign for justice in school curriculums. Byrne was 17 when he attended the Liverpool match that ended in disaster, leaving 97 Liverpool fans dead and his own father severely injured in the deadly crush. His motion recognises the important role of education in learning the lessons from the disaster and calls on the government to include the Hillsborough disaster in the national curriculum and suggests a programme of education which should cover the events of the past 32 years, the continuing campaign for justice and how we ensure the events of that fateful day are not forgotten, and that the ensuing miscarriage of justice is never repeated. The government's announcement that it will ensure all schools and further education providers are inspected by Ofsted by the summer of 2025 has led to outrage amongst school staff. News also broke on Tuesday that Ofsted was set to receive an extra £24 million in funding to speed up the rate of inspections. Unions spoke out against the decision, saying, 
It showed once again the government have no understanding of the exhaustion and stress felt by teachers and leaders. The Education Secretary did not share this view, however, saying accelerating the rate of Ofsted inspections over the coming years will provide parents with an up-to-date picture and swifter recognition of the hard work of leaders and teachers. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, welcome back to The Late Show with me, Genevieve Bent. You are listening to uh, me discuss a number of different topics today. And if you are live in the studio, thank you for tuning in. You would have just heard my conversation with Anna Sheldrick regarding Pride in STEM Day. It was lovely having her on as a special guest. And we were just discussing the work that she has done to celebrate and highlight the work of um, people within the LGBTQ plus community in STEM. So it's been lovely talking about that. And of course, that's a celebration, um, you know, celebratory discussion that I was having and it was great. But I have to be honest, I am going to be changing tack a little bit because, or change direction, because I am going to be talking about something serious. And that is that no one's listening. Now, it's ironic that I'm saying no one's listening because, of course, I've got people in the live studio who are currently listening to me um, tonight on The Late Show or listening back. But I say no one's listening because I'm referring to that report that came out um, earlier this week called No One's Listening. Um, and this is all about sickle cell. So for anyone who is familiar with the term or anyone who is not familiar with the term, you will be, um, it is, not you will be, it is a, a blood condition um, or a blood disorder. And it is um, one that affects the red blood cells within the body. So as part of Young Gifted in STEM, my um, initiative, we did a sickle cell awareness day um, special live, which, uh, which, in which I discussed with a biomedical clinical um, expert regarding sickle cell for people who weren't aware of it and also for people who wanted to know just a little bit more. So sickle cell is a, a blood condition, as I said, and thank you, Kerry, who has texted in saying it was brilliant. You remember. I'm so glad you do. It means that someone remembers <laughs> outside of me. Um, but sickle cell is a blood disorder in which the red blood cells, which are normally donut shaped or we call in science biconcave, are no longer that shape. And so they're not fit for purpose. They are sickle shapes. They look um, like a little bit like a crescent moon um, and they cause painful episodes called crises and so people who who are we call them sickle cell warriors because someone with sickle cell is a warrior and someone with sickle cell goes through a lot in their lives um you know battling this condition um and trying to stay healthy and doing whatever it takes to be able to stay healthy um and so yeah sickle cell warriors get these painful episodes called crises in which their blood cells, those sickle shaped blood cells get trapped in blood vessels and cause immense amounts of pain. And that pain can only be, you know, 
treated by strong painkillers um, in a lot of cases, particularly in adults. And so it affects the, not just, it. I mean, in the past it has affected um, life expectancy and there was a very short life expectancy for, for older people, for people once they turn adults in the past and that has improved over time thank thankfully um but how does it affect young people thinking about day to day and as an educator of course and someone who works in um a very multicultural setting or context where many of my students are black um you know i, I am coming i come across students who do have sickle cell um, anemia and of course how is it that we um, how do we look after them? How do we support them? How do we show that we understand what they're going through? And it's like any student with any condition, we want to be able to provide the best support that we can in our role to ensure that students feel safe and students feel cared for and they feel nurtured, right? Um, and so this report that came out, it was called No One's Listening. And it said it's No One's Listening, an inquiry into the avoidable deaths and failures of care for sickle cell patients in secondary care. And this report came out from the all party parliamentary group, the APPG, of which you'll probably know there are many. Um, and this was the APPG for sickle cell and thessalemia. Now, just before I go into the report a little bit, I just want to give some background because I feel like sickle cell anemia has had a bit more traction this year, um, which is fantastic, of course. Um, but traction because of extremely unfortunate and tragic events. And those both of those events involved young people. And I say young people, not school age but certainly one was college age and one was university age and so the, the first one um was evan smith and both of these stories i'm sure you know you'll remember from the news but evan smith was a 21 year old who suffered a sickle cell crisis as i said a painful episode and was in hospital at the time and because he was not offered blood transfusions he, his condition got worse and he ended up calling 999 from the hospital bed. Um, and he developed, because he developed sepsis, he then passed away. Okay. Um, again, like I said, this is very sad and, you know, it's a very serious topic. And then the second one was Richard ok Okoroye. Um, and he was a 19 year old, so college age. And I think about, you know, the students in my sixth form and, um, our year 13s who are 18 and um, you know in fact I've got a, a year 13 who is 19 currently and so it's the same age as that um, and he was found dead he went missing and it was weeks after he went missing that he was found um, and he is and this was during the pandemic so, and so he as as part of being sickle cell he had he was vulnerable he was extremely clinically vulnerable um, but weeks after being reported, he was finally found. And unfortunately, again, tragically, he was not alive. Um, so RIP to them both, of course. Um, but those are two stories that came out of the last couple of years um, or last year, 20, 18 months. Um, and part of that has shown a little bit more awareness in terms of um, sickle cell anemia. Um, like I said, a very serious 
um, blood condition, blood disorder, one that needs to be treated. Um, and so this report that came out, like I said, for, for maybe the millionth time already, no one's listening. And so the all-party parliamentary group, the APPG on sickle cell and thessalemia, it aims, it was started in 2008, um, and it aims to be the voice in Parliament of sickle cell and thessalemia patients and their families. Now, thessalemia is a, an, another blood disorder that tends to affect um, people from a uh, European background, but sort of quite some cultures within Turkey and um, more towards the Middle East, Greece, etc. Um, and whereas sickle cell predominantly affects um, black communities, so Afro-Caribbean and West African. Um, and they campaign on multiple issues, including patient experience and workforce. And they're working in conjunction with Sickle Cell Society, which is a charity who um, obviously work within um, supporting sickle cell patients. Um, and so Sickle Cell Society actually are doing have done amazing work and they continue to do amazing work, particularly with supporting young people um, and children with the condition. And so it was founded in 2008 and it was all to do with policymaking, remaining patient centred. Um, and of course, this is absolutely no criticism of um, the NHS, who we know are doing fantastic work and have continued to do fantastic work all through the pandemic. Um, but it's more looking at how, you know, policies better support people with sickle cell. Um, and then, so this report is 56 pages long. It's really meaty. And for of course, it's for someone, um, well, I would, you know, I would recommend this to, to everyone. Um, reading this report but of course people who are invested within um, the condition will take the time to read it um, but there was lots of things that came out of that report one was to do with the the, the care that patients are receiving um, when they go into emergency services one was um, the thinking about the low levels of awareness and training in sickle cell one was supporting um, people and young people with sickle cell, you know, in society. Um, and it talks about the, you know, general care within uh, general care and attitudes and also investment in sickle cell care. Um, and for anyone who is joining the live studio, you may be wondering why I am discussing this today. And I'm discussing it because I think it's an extremely important issue and you know, this report only came out this week. And again, like I said, I do work with students who have and I, I have done the entire time that I've been teaching. Um, you know, I teach in London. And so the schools that I've worked in have, have been predominantly um, multicultural, but predominantly black. And so I've come across many students who have required support with this. And I think it's really important that educators who don't, um, don't necessarily work with um, young black children, but they still have awareness of it, you know, and, you know, they're able to provide, provide, I guess, support to colleagues who may um, work with students with sickle cell. And so that is why I decided to have this conversation this evening um, because how do we support students with sickle cell? And it's really interesting to know how many educators are aware of what it is. Like I said, it does largely affect um, the West African and Afro-Caribbean communities, but it's largely misunderstood or it's been misconceived. 
um, as as a condition. Um, you know, the, when when I was growing up, I was um, I had friends who had sickle cell, but there weren't many, and so there was it was easy for young people to grow misconceptions about what the condition is or was um, and so as a result schools and workplaces are not always in the position to support students and staff in the best way that they can. Um, so what do the symptoms look like? Thinking about the young people that we work with, um, the symptoms can range from, um, from individual to individual as it can with any, any um, condition that our students suffer from but for example students might be always tired or fatigued um, and when we say tired we mean extremely tired we mean fatigue in that they are finding th the most mundane of things difficult um, that it's difficult to deal with extremes of weather so the extreme cold winter is a terrible time for example or summer um, so although cold temperatures trigger the condition actually excessive heat or extreme heat and therefore dehydration as a result of that is um, a symptom and that can trigger the condition physical exertion students who students many of the students that I've come across in the past do not want to take part in necessarily the most physical activities because they know that it could trigger conditions and again from student to student that looks different um, it's not it's not always the same. Some students are absolutely fine with the condition and they maintain it from day to day and others, you know, others are suffering. And so, th again, the language that we're talking about, so sickle cell warriors, is really important because thinking back to the conversation that I had with Anna earlier, the othering or um, the language that we use can feel isolating to someone or a student who is... Um, don't want to use the term suffering, but a student who is battling certain things. And in this case, it's a medical condition. But like I said, it is always interesting to know how many educators are aware because um, in the workplaces that I have been in, many of them are not. Um, there is a, they've had absolutely no idea. They have, they've never heard of the condition. Um, Anna, you've texted in saying, I think it's important. I've also taught some students and I wasn't really sure how to help or that it would even affect them in school. Um, that's a really important point. And even educators, like Anna says, being aware of it doesn't necessarily mean that you are able to support. And again, we all we all know that there are going to be um, instances where we are not the, in the best person to be able to support um, our young people dealing with certain things. But certainly we want to have some basic foundational knowledge to be able to do that. Um, so... The report was interesting, okay? It was really interesting and very sad, if I'm honest, very sad because I, like I said, I do know, um, you know, I'm, I'm very close with people who do have sickle cell um, and so I know what those experiences have been like. You know, haematology clinics, so blood clinics are where sickle cell students will be, um, will predominantly go to monitor treatment. Um, and, you know, all of the experiences that, that they have are going to be really important as to whether they may are able to maintain a reasonable state of health or whether they, you know, um, can't or don't. Um, and so the report was sad, like I said, for many reasons. But 
what I thought was really interesting, and I don't want to use the word interesting because that sounds positive and it wasn't necessarily negative, but it was, I mean, it wasn't necessarily positive. It wasn't positive at all. But what I found most um, eye-raising, I would like to say, was the negative attitudes towards sickle cell patients. So this was a section and it was page 35 of the report. And because of the low levels of awareness and the insufficient training, patients are frequently, this is coming from the report, patients are frequently subjected to prejudicial attitudes, treated with lack of respect or prior prioritization and undermined or disbelieved when accessing secondary care and by secondary care it's outside of their normal routine clinics um and the weight of evidence that the report um you know has has um accumulated suggests that such negative attitudes towards sickle cell patients are also often underpinned by racism and so it it was it was a very very tough read. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said, 56 pages long, but certain parts of it really do get you. Um, and you know, it's the part where it says often underpinned by racism. Like I said, it, it does predominantly affect the black community. So, you know, the evidence that they have found has come. You know, that they've compiled has led to this pretty much. Um, I guess, solid statement that the APPG are making. So I guess the next step then for anyone, for teachers who are working with students who do, you know, suffer from this condition, like I said, or battle this condition, it's really important that we not just have the awareness, but also um, even if we don't, you know, we're always going to have surface level, we're not always going to have detailed knowledge and everything that's just the way it works we know that as educators we have our subject for example we may be able to delve into other areas but it's going to be surface level or base level knowledge right but the most important thing is that students feel supported and that they feel safe and that teachers who are their primary carers which we are um or loco parentis as we say that we're able to identify um, when students are not, they're just not managing and they're just not coping. So for the last, when I would say last year, we had a year 11 who had sickle cell um, and his sister who was a year above him um, had left the previous year and she had sickle cell, but they suffered in very different ways. I say suffered, They the condition manifested itself in very different ways for uh the student the male student he didn't really get sick he was you know reasonably healthy he didn't really um have much problems I guess with the condition whereas his sister was you know she was very heavily affected by things like changing in temperature physical activity stress and she used to be off quite a lot. And I had taught both of them since they were 11. I remember them joining the school and she left in year 11. And I saw her recently as she came back to, um, became back to school to see us. But like I said, it's very different from student to student. So it's really about knowing the children that we teach. And maybe in your schools, you have done um, some medical training. I know certainly in our school, we've done some medical training, not just on sickle cell, but diabetes, 
on um, epilepsy. We've had quite extensive training on different conditions and that's been for all staff. And, you know, it's really important that um, I guess that we're doing that, that schools are providing that because how else are we, you know, how else are we going to have, I guess, more knowledge and therefore um, be able to help students in the best way that we can. And it's not about highlighting individuals and, you know, pointing them out to to the other members of STAR or the, the school and saying this student, this, this student, that, but actually that we know that we are aware and that we can support or at least speak to another member of staff, a colleague who is better able to support. It's really important. Um, so, like I said, I did say there are factors that are likely to trigger a painful sickle cell crisis. Um, and I talked about dehydration or cold or physical activity, but even things like air pollution, um, even things, you know, stress, as we know, stress um, triggers many things in all of us. And we are going through stressful periods as educators now, um, but also um, infections, uh, you know, a, a cold, for example, can can not I don't want to use what's the word can I guess grow into something bigger and more serious for someone with sickle cell so it's you know it is a serious condition but at the same time it's also um an it's also this is also a learning opportunity for for people for teachers to be able to like I said look out for those children who you know it affects um, so what can we do to support students with sickle cell anemia? Um, I wonder if there's any listeners who already know and who already have ideas. And I'll be right back after the nine o'clock news. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Liverpool Labour MP Ian Byrne, who survived the 1989 Hillsborough Football Stadium disaster, has called on ministers to include the event and the campaign for justice in school curriculums. Byrne was 17 when he attended the Liverpool match that ended in disaster, leaving 97 Liverpool fans dead and his own father severely injured in the deadly crush. His motion recognises the important role of education in learning the lessons from the disaster and calls on the government to include the Hillsborough disaster in the national curriculum and suggests a programme of education which should cover the events of the past 32 years, the continuing campaign for justice and how we ensure the events of that fateful day are not forgotten, and that the ensuing miscarriage of justice is never repeated. The government's announcement that it will ensure all schools and further education providers are inspected by Ofsted by the summer of 2025 has led to outrage amongst school staff. News also broke on Tuesday that Ofsted was set to receive an extra £24 million in funding to speed up the rate of inspections. Unions spoke out against the decision, saying, 
It showed once again the government have no understanding of the exhaustion and stress felt by teachers and leaders. The Education Secretary did not share this view, however, saying, Accelerating the rate of Ofsted inspections over the coming years will provide parents with an up-to-date picture and swifter recognition of the hard work of leaders and teachers. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome back to The Late Show with me, Genevieve Bent. Thank you so much for joining me um, this evening. Tom, I do apologise. Thank you. What would I do without you? I am back. I am back. And yes, you can hear me, I um, assume. Um, thank you for joining me. If you are listening live in the studio, even if you're listening back, I hope that you're enjoying the show. We are talking about um, supporting students with sickle cell anemia this evening. I also previously talked with special guest Anna Sheldrick regarding Pride in STEM Day, which was um, a really great conversation. But just going back to supporting students with sickle cell anemia, and like I said earlier, it's as teachers, we, we know our responsibility in supporting students with anything, whatever that is, whether it's... Um, you know, being part of the LGBT community, as Anna was speaking about earlier, or whether it's about um, supporting them with a medical condition or a safeguarding need, we know that it's, you know, our major responsibility is the welfare of our young people, right? So supporting students with sickle cell anemia is a part of that. It's a part of the support and care that we offer our students. And for some teachers around the country, this may not be on the radar at all. Okay, and I completely appreciate that because um, not everyone works in um, inner city schools. Not everyone has um, works in a school which is, um, you know, highly multicultural. Okay, um, and not everyone works in a school that is predominantly black students. So I appreciate that actually it's very different from school to school. However, it's it should be like with other conditions, there should be awareness and there should be foundational knowledge that teachers or that society has of conditions, right? Especially one that has such a big effect on a large, um, you know, a, a community. So <clears throat> what can we do? Um, I talked earlier in the show about, you know, the triggers for 
um, these painful sickle cell anemia crises. Um, but certainly in terms of supporting students, there are things that we can do, active things, proactive things that we can do to support them. And an easy one, or two easy ones, should I say, is adequate access to water, um, or ensuring students stay hydrated. And so drinking, um, you know, many of, like students with other conditions, many of them will self-regulate. They are, they know their condition, they know what they need to do, they know how to avoid or do their best to try and avoid um, triggering an episode. But certainly we can encourage and ensure that students are hydrated um, and just things like, you know, frequent small amounts of water rather than seeing students guzzle a whole bottle of water down, although we know that students do that anyway. Um, But, you know, just something simple like that. Another simple thing, frequent bathroom breaks. Now, this is always an area of contention on social media. There's always polls going around. Do you allow students to the toilet um, in your lesson? I'm going to be honest with you. Mine is always a no. Um, It stays a no. Okay. You want to call me Miss Trunchbull, you can do that. Don't mind. Um, But we know that there are students with certain conditions that have medical passes or toilet passes, or, you know, we, we use our teacher judgment um, to say, yes, you can go to the toilet. But certainly children with sickle cell, they they often, um, they need to go to the toilet more often in a lot of cases than students who do not have that. Um, and so bathroom passes are, you know, part of the support or the wraparound care that we would offer for students so that they are able to take themselves to to the bathroom when they need to um but then it's things like accommodations of their condition in certain aspects so accommodating um temperatures or room temperatures and accommodating allowing them wearing things like hats or extra clothing in the classroom that like i said earlier they do um they do feel these extremes in temperature or changes in temperature and so they are they are doing what they can to minimise the effects of that. So they shouldn't be sitting near, um, right near open windows or, you know, they shouldn't be working out in um, extremely hot conditions. N- neither should any of any kids, right? But particularly for students with sickle cell. Um, accommodations during physical education. So PE, I don't know why I'm saying physical, physical education like that. Who even calls it physical education? PE, sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but accommodations during PE, they can do moderate exercise. Um, you know, they can do simple PE exercises, but what they can't do or what they may, I shouldn't say can't do, they can do it, but m- they may not want to. And their parents or carers may not want them to do that. But some um, over strenuous activities, you know, they may need to take regular breaks. They may need to have um, periods of rest after physical activities, things that aren't that we wouldn't necessarily see from other students. Um, So, yeah, those are accommodations that we would have to make um, or that we may have to make for students with sickle cell. Um, And then injuries as well. So, uh, you know, these are things that we don't necessarily think about. We provide a little first aid or 
we send them to to medical to provide a little bit of first aid but actually you know things like um so sickle cell can you know cause other um i guess conditions or instances of poor health so injuries may lead to something else sometimes in um students with sickle cell or people with sickle cell so that's really important that they are um you know, if they are injured, that the measures are appropriate, um, such as not applying an extremely cold ice pack to an area of injury because that could trigger a crisis. So it's, it's you know, it's not, it's not just the simple things. It's also thinking carefully about um, the other measures that we take um, as educators or as people in schools, what people working in schools. And and then something that I wanted to mention, just like with any physical condition for for young people um, or for older people or for middle-aged people, whatever you want to say, um, but being aware of their emotional well-being, you know. Um, Sickle cell, yes, it's a physical illness, but we know with physical illnesses that can and often does have an effect on the mental well-being of people and certainly with um young people you know when they are vulnerable when they are more prone to um I guess being sensitive all of the you know the the normal issues that we see in young people certainly in um it was should I say especially in during puberty and 11 to 16 you know they any little thing um you know, could be, could be, I guess, blown out of proportion just in a general day. But certainly with students with sickle cell who have, may have outward signs of sickle cell, um, physical signs of sickle cell. For example, students who, boys um, in the past, boys who grew up with sickle cell tended to look, um, they didn't grow as rapidly as um, young boys without sickle cell. And so they look, um, I guess, slightly slimmer. They look slimmer, um, noticeably slimmer in a lot, in some cases. And so those sorts of things um, will will or can affect their emotional well-being. So like children with other medical um, conditions or medical challenges, they, you know, it's important that we are looking after their well-being and we are ensuring that they are okay. And, And if they're not okay, that we're putting that support in place. And I guess lastly would be that open communication of parents. They know them best. Um, they know their child. They know how, the, you know, the, the treatment for their child. They know the triggers for their child. And so keeping that open communication of parents, it's our, it's our responsibility, of course, while those children are in our care, but certainly parents and carers um, want to know that we are doing what we can for their children, not just academic wise but also medical emotional um physical well-being so I guess you know it's it's certainly not an uh, a, a complete list by any chance or by any means should I say um but I would hope that by me going through some of those areas those great areas that a lot of people are not aware of it would be somewhat helpful um to you um, as an educator for anyone who's listening or someone who works in schools or someone who works with children, not necessarily in schools, um, dealing with students who have sickle cell, just thinking about 
the pieces of, I guess, advice um, that I'm given. Like I said, I do know quite a few people with the condition and therefore um, I do have um, some experience. Um, so I know I keep saying them, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's a very, um, oh gosh, I said it again. The glass ceiling has broken. Now I'm just going to notice any time that I say the two-letter word. Oh, I was just about to say it again. <laughs> so it's, yeah, like I said, it's a very important topic for me. Um, oh, sugar. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure that I do a little bit of justice in discussing this this evening. Uh, and actually, what was just like such a coincidence was that when I was watching the TV a little bit earlier before I started the show, it was ITV, there was this ITV advert and it was about uh, giving blood. Now, I, whenever, whenever I can, I will try and raise awareness about this, giving blood, but giving blood in the black community, we know that um, bone marrow transplants and um, uh, blood, yeah, so blood conditions, those rely on uh, blood transfusions and blood donation within the black community, I can only talk about the UK, is not where it should be. And there was just this blood advert and then it mentioned sickle cell and I was like, oh, wow, this is not just a coincidence. Actually, the, I, this was, this was on purpose okay this was on purpose that I saw this so that's another thing as well and um, if you are any educator if you can if you are able to if you are healthy giving blood is always a fantastic thing to do but certainly um teachers or people who work with children in the black community is even more important because with they need donations they need blood donations they need blood donors and so that's that is something that I wanted to share as well. So I know I've been talking for quite a while. I've been talking for like 40 minutes now. But hopefully you've been, I don't know about enjoy, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but you found it enlightening a little bit. Um, and I'm really, really pleased uh, that I that I was able to um, share this with you, but also share the report with you because the report, like I said, in places it is heartbreaking, if I'm honest, heartbreaking. It really is because you think it's been 20, 30 years down the line. It's, such, it's still such a large, it's still such a, a big um, topic within the black community, certainly. Um, but still, it's not where it should be in terms of progression. Um Talk, Kerry, you said so vital. I'm assuming you meant regarding the blood donations. Agreed. So, so vital. So important. And Tom, you said I've learned a lot. I'm really glad that you have learned a lot. And I hope that anyone listening back um, has, is also learning. Uh, that That is the aim, really, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah. Like I said, read the, if you want to, read the report. If you don't want to, don't read the report, but you can certainly find summaries of it online if you wanted to. Um, two, think about giving blood if you are able and you're willing. That was fantastic. You know, sickle cell patients rely on, many of them rely on blood transfusions. Thirdly, something that I didn't talk about already was just that there was a 
breakthrough in treatment for sickle cell patients uh, just a few weeks ago, I think it was, they were talking about trialing a new drug um, for sickle cell patients. It's not there yet, but it's something that could work and it could be, They, I think they use the term revolutionary, which is really exciting. In the US, they quite a few years ago, they started bone marrow transplants in adults, which actually proved to be a roaring success in the few patients that they did try so you know it's coming along but it's just far too slowly um and so wherever I can I will always try to um raise awareness about it but it is 9 22 thank you Kerry for texting in a great show illuminating I'm so glad that it was um just thinking about our practice I think today's been this evening's show has been I love the word illuminating. I think it's been illuminating for many reasons, not just um, talking about sickle cell, of course, that was, you know, my my hot topic of this evening, but also in terms of um, celebrating Pride in STEM, that was also quite illuminating from Anna. Um, and I think today I would say that the show's mainly about how we can do better to support students who for whatever reason are struggling or students who just need our support um for whatever reason um so i hope that the show was able to do that for you uh, i am going to um <laughs> leave it there because i think that i've done what i came to do i came to slay okay that's what i came to slay if you can hear me clicking that is what I'm doing. Um, Anna said it was such an interesting show. I learned a lot more about sickle cell. I didn't know a lot of my a lot of struggles with my past units are so much clearer now. I'm really really glad that is the case. Um, Anna, thank you for sharing that. Um, Kerry sets in saying thank you, Anna and Jen. I wish you all a fantastic rest of the evening. I have started a new show. Um, it's an American show that I'm watching on TV. And so I'm going to go, well, I'm not watching it on TV, I'm watching it online. I'm going to go and stream it to my TV in a moment. Um, and I wish you all a really great weekend and a restful one when it comes. And year 11 teachers, I know that you're going through the mock exam period, like I said at the beginning of the show. So I wish you success in marking all of those papers because I know that I need it. Um, so good night and thank you to special guest Anna. Thank you to listeners and have a lovely, wonderful evening. Night from me. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.